Hey, Mary. Hey, Katie. So I have another pirate fact for you. Did you know that the stereotypical pirate accent was actually invented by Disney? (laughs) Seems about right. I mean, did I know? No. Uh, Am I surprised? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Right. So apparently in 1950, there was a film uh, that Disney put out called Treasure Island. And a man named Robert Newton played Long John Silver. And he is the one who came up with this stereotypical R's and shiver me timbers and landlubbers and all of this. And that did not exist before 1950. That is so funny. I absolutely love that. I also, I, (laughs) well, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, (laughs) let's talk about other pirate facts because I saw actually that uh, there's some rumors that maybe Steed Bonnet was the one to have invented walking Ooh. the plank. Um, yeah. But there seems to be a lot of discussion around that and a lot of people saying like, no, that's not actually true. That was just something from Treasure Island, which again makes me laugh that we're, that this, that this Disney movie is coloring so much of our understanding yeah. of pirates today. <laughs> I so I know. Oh, Disney. Oh, Disney. How dare you? You know, at least our show doesn't have any of that. They have our Kiwi accents. Show. <laughs> they our show. Kiwi they have Kiwi accents. They do, imagine, they do. imagine if Treasure Island had a Kiwi actor <laughs> in 1950. Imagine what the world would be like now. I think the world would change. That's like a butterfly flapping its wings kind of situation. Like, the landscape of the of cinema would be different i guarantee you like new zealand would be like the most sought after actors like that accent everyone would be doing that accent on halloween when they dressed up like a pirate come on id 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 <laughs> thank you for that anyway <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Gentleman Pirates Library, a podcast covering every episode of The Mac Show, Our Flag Means Death. I'm Katie. And I'm Mary. Today we'll be taking a deep dive into Season 2, Episode 6, Calypso's Birthday, aka the one where we never get to find out Izzy's drag name. Maybe he doesn't know himself yet. I think that's okay. I think that's okay. Let's (laughs) give him time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, do you have any general impressions of this episode? I was just kind of struck. Like, I mean, of course, there are things that happen that are very, very important in this episode, particularly Mm -hmm. for the next one. Um, But I was kind of struck as to how this was probably the closest to a bottle episode that we actually got so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I I, I kind of like that. And also, and this is more like on on a personal level, but I... This was the first time this season that I was like, oh, I don't really like I felt a lot of resistance in taking my notes and doing this. And like, of course, there's stuff happening like in my own life that mm-hmm. made it difficult. But like, I know that these are the last few episodes of the season and I'm just mm-hmm. so heartbroken that we only got eight episodes. And I know that I'm happy oh, no. for the eight episodes that we did get. But I like I really hope that we get season three and i hope that we get more episodes 12 episodes for season three right right let's go back to 23 episodes what are we doing <laughs> like what what 
are we doing? No. Um, I did see, I'm sure you saw this rumor on Twitter that there were some places listing a ninth episode of this season. I don't think it's true. I think one of the most compelling pieces of information I saw against it was that the WGA doesn't have uh, an episode nine listed as writers for the guild. So listen, I don't really have a compelling argument against or for it, but I will say that my supernatural trauma forbids me from trusting it. I don't trust it. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, we were told eight episodes, there will be eight episodes Mm -hmm. until I see a ninth episode in my queue. Um, then I'll believe the ninth episode, but for now it's eight episodes and that's it. Yeah, I'm the type of person who would rather be pleasantly surprised than disappointed. So I never let myself believe anything. (laughs) Yeah, no, especially, again, supernatural trauma is real. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Eight episodes, period. Yep, that's it. Until Until I hear it from the the mouth of Daddy Jenkins. (laughs) Um, So my general impression, if I may, was uh, Steed became a man in more ways than one. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. but what kind of man? Oh, my God. Oh, I have so many questions and thoughts. <laughs> he became a, a, a quote unquote real pirate captain. He, yeah. uh, you know, when we get to it, I have lots of thoughts um, about what he did to Ned Lowe. Uh, but mm. ultimately that he kind of proved to the crew by standing up for them that he was truly their captain. And mm-hmm. then he became a man later on with yeah right 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 first uh sexual experience of that kind yeah steed became a man but at what cost at what cost indeed oh my god okay so let's get started if you don't (laughs) mind like from the beginning absolutely because i know that we're very excited much like ed and steed we're quite excited to get to the end (laughs) (laughs) um but i think it's important to kind of like Work on the buildup, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm yeah. going to ride that metaphor the entire yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> A little foreplay, please. <laughs> All right, well, let's dive in. We open with someone playing a violin in a lighthouse. A lighthouse! Okay. I know. <laughs> they put this insidious man that's going to cause an issue with this couple inside their lighthouse i i (laughs) hello symbolism i know i i I really loved that actually when i saw it happening i was like oh it's the first lighthouse we see this season oh Oh. (laughs) (laughs) and so it's made clear he's torturing someone he's playing the violin um he he's really weird he's a weird dude he wants to hear this guy like in the correct pitch of screams while he's torturing him. Mm. He's upset that Blackbeard has broken his record, uh, which is 88 consecutive raids at sea. So he wants to know where to find Blackbeard. And then he says, oh, it doesn't matter. I already know where he is. And he continues to torture him. Right. Like, I thought that that was so... It's like, oh, okay. So you're just... you're. I mean, like he will say later on, he's just doing it for the lols, right? Yeah, like, this right, is right. <laughs> pure exposition for us to kind of see, like, what is going to happen to our beloved pirates, right? To our beloved yes. characters. Um, speaking of doing it for the lols, do you think that if... Um, do you think that if they use doing it for the lols in Treasure Island in 1950, how much would it change? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep going back to that. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> so I love you. But, I love you too. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is that I remember Ed saying something about let's break that record in one of the first episodes, but I was like, wait, hold on. What record? Mm hmm. But then there's so much other stuff going on that I completely just tossed it aside. And I was like, oh, whatever. They'll just explain it later if it matters. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things that I feel should have been a lot more significant in like in my yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe another character was was like aware of it. Like, oh, you're getting close to Ned's record. or. Um, but mm. I, I think there were some like ha- tally marks on the wall. Um, yes. And so he was actually counting them. So like he wasn't as out of it as maybe he seemed to be because it was just at least for this you know like I think I I literally and again this is not me like diagnosing or anything else but I just saw like a a quick documentary like a little a a little documentary about somebody talking about their schizophrenia Mm -hmm. and they were talking about how um they felt like they had missions that they had to accomplish okay yeah I could see that and so I, it sort of feels like that. So they, they, like the person was clearly in a, in a state of delusion, and yet they were so clear when it came to what they had to accomplish. And, and I see parallels between like Ed and his detachment from reality, uh-huh. and yet his focus on these on some of these things that were so important to him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could see that completely. I had a family member who was schizophrenic, and it was uh, he was very interesting. Um, it was really tragic, but. Mm. Uh, yeah, he was very um, focused and driven. Like if he got something, mm. in, he got a notion. He was it, there was not much that was going to stop him. Same thing for mania, really. Like it's yeah. it's the same. So these things it's again, you know, like exactly there right. you go. So we knew that Ed was not well. He had some sort of mental health disorder, mm-hmm. and and I think this is kind of like a a callback to that. And, yeah. and us talking about it is also like we're able to uncover a little bit more with this added context. Mm-hmm. All right. So we uh, go to Blackbeard staring out at sea, reliving his worst moments as captain. When Izzy comes up, this is their, as far as we know, first interaction. Right. Um, and calls him scowly face. <laughs> and Izzy is drinking and Ed remarks on it. He says, yeah, you're really putting a lot of that away. So, I mean, they've, it's clear that they've like existed amongst each other, but he's like, Oh, right. you're finally talking to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And he does take a swig from the bottle, which I think is important yeah. to mention that there's share that like there's a familiarity there that mm-hmm. is based on like years and years and years of of an established relationship where exactly. Ed, no matter how bad the relationship is at the moment or how broken it might be, Ed mm. still feels comfortable grabbing the bottle from Izzy's hand, and Izzy still lets Ed have the bottle and drink from it as well and give it back to him. It feels like a divorced couple. Yeah. You know, they're sitting there, they're like, well, that didn't end well. Right. And, but they're yeah. still so comfortable with each other. Like, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, because the intimacy wasn't the issue in this particular case, right? Right, so. right. So Ed says it feels like a storm's coming and Izzy dismisses it. And then Ed says, sorry about your leg as he walks off. So I guess that's all we're getting. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah. Like, because I feel like this is... Um, pretty much as much as both of them can give in that moment. Like mm-hmm. Izzy had to get so drunk to be able to go see him in the first place. And Ed had to drink also in order to say he was sorry. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's, you know, like I'm happy that, that this is what we got. Maybe we'll get more in, in season three, but I just think that like 
this this makes sense for both of them, right? And yeah. like you know, like there's just so much about the scene that I absolutely love. Like I commented on that on Twitter, but this really felt like when you like accidentally send your ex or like your situationship a message and then you immediately follow it up with like oh oops this wasn't meant for you you know like you're just hoping to get their attention because Izzy's like oh I thought you were Roach you know (laughs) yes he's like oh is that you oh oh hmm. Uh, i wouldn't have come up if it was you (laughs) exactly i thought it was roach like as if is as if izzy hands would not recognize ed on the ship you know what i mean like this makes absolutely no sense to me of course he's putting on a show right um and we also talked about this like before we recorded like when the episodes came out and i was like oh man like izzy had stopped drinking so heavily and now he's back at it like what do we make of it and i i think that the way that i'm making sense of it is that recovery and healing is not linear Mm -hmm. that like you're gonna have good days you're gonna have bad days and that's okay and that's recovery and healing like both physically and emotionally right um because maybe his leg was just really really hurting that day like we we don't quite know like he doesn't really let that slide or let that show um, or maybe this particular day, like he was particularly sad about, about Ed, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. he's seeing him moping and he's like, you've got your boyfriend, you know, like I'm what by myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't quite know which one it is. Maybe it's a bit of both. I think, I think it's a bit of both, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say and so. then there's also another thing that I want to talk about here because I feel like it's kind of a callback to like the Frankfurter clouds from season one. Yeah. I thought that too. I thought about that scene too. Yep. Right? Because like Ed is intuitively like feeling that something is about to happen, but Mm -hmm. Izzy dismisses it. And I feel like now we have so much more context as to the why he does that. Because I remember back in season one that I was just like, he just doesn't like him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was so mad at him for it. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I changed my tune uh, about Izzy. But like now that we know the kind of person that Ed is, like when he's unwell, like he's the kind of person who's going to take them into a storm without a wheel or a main mast. Right. So like, right. uh, You got to take some and you got to leave some when it comes to Ed teach. And here I think would be a good time to listen to him, but Izzy is just too mad at him to be able to do Mm -hmm. that Uh, or Mm -hmm. or maybe just too drunk. I'm not too sure, but Izzy is just not able to do that. And I fully understand why. Yeah. And it parallels a lot because he was so done with him in the Frankfurter scene too. He's like, yes, what are we doing here, man? Like, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) And if you remember in that episode, actually, he's always saying like, when we get by again, by the skin of our teeth, like, you know, Mm. this is not this behavior that we saw in Ed, I don't think is new, right? So I'm going to be really interested for us to kind of like go back to season one eventually and kind of talk about that, right? Like, yes, I don't want to tease that too much. (laughs) But like, I I think it's needed. Mm -hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. So Steed shows Ed that he put all of his remaining treasure in one room because he was tripping over it. It's real man cave vibes yes. where the <laughs> wife is like, um, okay, well, I put all the not aesthetic things in one room. This is, you know, your your football phone was bothering me. He does <laughs> say match. some of it was quite ugly. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, my God, it is the man cave. Yeah. <laughs> but Steed is truly like reclaiming his ship. Is it his Mojo Dojo Casa House? It is. It is. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, or maybe Ed made it his Mojo Dojo Casa House and Steed is turning it back into his Barbie dream house. (laughs) 
yes. He's like, no, 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 no. Get those saloon doors off right now. <laughs> I love this. So uh, Steed suggests to Ed to do something good with it. Which is funny. It's like, well, let's let's continue to like hang on to it so you can like supply the boat. I don't know, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's the thing, because we're making jokes about the Mojo Dojo Casa House and like the man cave and whatnot. But like Ed says very clearly that it's a guilt room for him, that it doesn't make him feel good. Um, whereas oh, I yeah. think a Mojo Dojo Casa House should make you feel good. Right. Um, yes. And Ed just doesn't feel that way towards this treasure. Like it's actually quite negative. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So Archie is telling the crew a story about being inside a snake. We had learned in a previous episode that she was in a snake cult. So that was interesting. Uh, I'd love to know more about her. Uh, She asks what they do for parties and they all kind of try to like play it cool. (laughs) And (laughs) they decide they need to have a party because it's been boring. And they say, last night we just reorganized furniture. (laughs) Did you catch that too? <laughs> I caught that too. And um, I mean, this is one of those things where like, of course, Urban Dictionary should be taken with a very large <laughs> grain of salt or maybe several large grains of salt. But if you go to Urban Dictionary and look mm-hmm. up like re- rearranging furniture, it's, yep. it's, it's meaning to like have sex yeah it's a euphemism for sex because it's like other people in the house hear loud noises and they're like oh no we weren't up there having sex we were just uh, rearranging our furniture yeah exactly yeah Yeah. i was like oh oh (laughs) i loved it i loved it because it's so subtle that people might not catch it but the people who know that euphemism are gonna catch it it's really fun exactly and honestly it kind of made me think of of well i mean we're not there yet but like uh Lucius and uh mm-hmm. and Pete. It wasn't until like right before the party right when the party started that I was like, where are they? We okay, haven't listen. seen them once. <laughs> I I mean I I took that note afterwards, but like I was not even wondering where they were. And yeah. I kind of feel bad about it now. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, do I care so little about them? Like Yeah. Well, and you know, I think we're used to like, oh, due to budgetary constraints, not everyone can be on the episode at once. You know, oh, that's Misha Collins can't be in all these Uh. episodes. Like, (laughs) we're so used to that. It's like, oh, uh, he found a case and he's checking up on the angels and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, okay. But they were all here in New Zealand together. So, you know, but I I was really thinking like, oh, maybe they had scheduling conflicts and they couldn't be in this episode. So I absolutely love that it was utilized as a reason uh, for, well, almost, they were going to be their rescuers. (laughs) Yes, for a narrative, right? Like it was used purposefully in the story. And I love that. I do love that. So Frenchie, always quick on the uptake, uh, Mm. reminds everyone that it's Calypso's birthday today. I absolutely adore the fact that it's Frenchie that does that. Like, cause yes. he's not there at the beginning of the conversation, but he just like appears in the mm-hmm. background, you know, like from the galley. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, you know that it's actually Calypso's birthday. And this is really important because we're all Calypsish and it's just... <laughs> I love that. I adore His that. His mind is always four steps ahead. He's always looking for the next grift. He's always looking for, like, he's so yeah. intelligent. I really love him. I Same. I adore this. I adore this character. And I, I, ah, I love him. Mm-hmm. I love him. Mm-hmm. 
So back to the man cave, the crew asks if they're doing anything for Calypso's birthday. And Steed is like, oh, I didn't hear, I didn't know about this. <laughs> he convinces Ed to spend his treasure on a big party. And Ed says, they're just trying to Calypso you. <laughs> yes. But Steed wants to turn poison into positivity. And that's kind of becomes the theme between him and Ed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Again, so there's a lot. I, I just love that these episodes are like so jam-packed with stuff. Okay. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like a mm-hmm. lot to unpack just from this moment because like, first off, I love Steed and his basic corporate speak because, <laughs> you know, this is very reminiscent of like the safe space ship, mm-hmm. which we know he was telling Ed to say, right? So like, mm-hmm. again, poison into positivity. Like, I kind of feel like in if steed was like a modern person you know that he would have these like big motivational posters in his office right oh yeah the eagles and hang like... in there baby <laughs> yes <laughs> there you go so i i find that interesting that it kind of goes to reinforce that characterization mm-hmm. and i also love that ed immediately knows that this is like not a not a real thing yeah. <laughs> because archie didn't quite know she like had to ask right ed already knew Mm-hmm. Steed didn't know, so I'm I'm just kind of fascinated as like by the politics of who is in on the joke and who isn't. It seems like anyone who's a seasoned pirate knew. So Ed yeah. is like, ah, I had another crew who tried to pull this prank on me, yeah. and Archie never really been because she was in the snake cult and She's not on a pirate ship, <laughs> right? Yeah, so it seems like they set it up to be like, this is something well-known within within pirates who have sailed before. So, of course, Steed didn't know because he's new. Even Ned's crew, we find out, know about that. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely a thing, you know? And mm-hmm. also, like, just as a side note, I feel like this also speaks to the fact that, like, it's okay to have parties for the sake of it. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I think it's it's kind of like... It's often we're like, oh, we need an occasion in order to have a party. But I was always a firm believer that, no, you don't need an occasion to have a party. You can just have a party. Like, whatever. It's just for fun. Like, I would have those dinner parties all the time. Like, I don't need to have an excuse. I'm just going to have a party. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. So now we go to Ricky or Richard Baines. Uh, He has the brown fake nose that we saw in the trailer with like the purple ribbon, which again, I'm going to point out feels like a choice. Like a lot of people with prosthesis try to like blend in Mm -hmm. and he is very much not even if like, let's say his materials were limited and he had to use a dark Brown that obviously didn't match his skin tone. The purple ribbon is a choice. And I think maybe because he's speaking about the evils of piracy that he's like, look what they did to me, you know, and making it that much more obvious. So he is wearing a uniform. Is it British? I, he never really speaks of his like affiliation, but I believe yeah, this I think is it's British. British. I think it's fine. So he's given a speech about how they need to eliminate piracy. He said previously that he was a minor prince, and then someone addresses him after the speech as prince. So I'm not really sure if he's lying or not. So I'm curious to know why you think he's lying. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's really easy to lie in that age. Kind of like... Um, Prince Aziz, how Alawande was, you know, was an Egyptian prince. I don't know. It just kind of, (laughs) it's like, are you a prince? Like, I'm a prince. Hello, I'm a princess. How are you? Like, whatever. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I think one of the reasons why he was able to lie is because, like, the, like, apart from French royalty, like, 
I think people were very familiar with like oh, okay. British royalty, French yeah. royalty, especially like because you're seeing the people that he's talking to all seem to be noblemen, right? right? So right, they right. would know, they would know mm-hmm. the prince, they would know the 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 king, they would know all of that, and like, like all the way out in Barbados, though. I guess they're sent from England. They are, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, they are sent from a lot of the time, okay. right? Yeah, that makes um, sense. And so, I mean, again, he might be lying. He might be. But right. it's just such, um, such a thread that I'm kind of wondering why, why he would. Well, because I think because he was so in on doing the theft at Spanish Jackie's and he was like leaving the lime Ricky calling card and like mm-hmm. obviously that didn't work out but like it didn't feel like he was setting them up and getting like getting to know them so that he could take them down later it felt like he really wanted to be a famous thief that had a calling card I absolutely think he wanted to be a famous thief with a calling card like okay. the, and this isn't me like it, this is just how I see it okay. I think he he saw the way that Steed like made a name for himself and he was like I want to do that too Mm. and then when he was rejected even by the pirates because he put them in danger Mm -hmm. he was like oh my god I am now going to do everything in my power to make them hurt the same way that they have hurt me okay that makes sense so he like put his uniform back on so he had kind of like snuck off to Barbados to like do what he wanted to rebel Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. Well, it also, like, I mean, we're going to, I guess, talk about that a little bit later. But, like, it's, this kind of spoke to me about, like, closeted politicians who, like, actively make laws that make queer people's lives harder. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a whole conversation to be had about how much grace should be given to these people. Right. And the answer varies greatly depending on who you ask Mm -hmm. in the community. And um, and there you go. Like, this is somebody who was a pirate, is a pirate, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, can you stop being a pirate? You can stop piracy activities, but can you stop being a pirate in the context of the show? I don't know. And yet he is literally actively making the lives of other pirates um, harder. Yeah, yeah. So um, just to clear up the scene at the very end, he's given a fake nose uh, as a gift. It's like white, you know, very delicate looking, has blue mm-hmm. embellishments on it. We don't know yet who it's from. Um, I also looked up what a minor prince was. I found yes. different <laughs> meanings. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any insight on this. Well, I mean, think of it this way. Like, um, I think the term minor prince isn't really something that we would hear all that much anymore but the Mm -hmm. way that like uh prince harry's uh children are prince and princess okay okay. um that's how i would think of a minor prince or princess right like they're just so far back Mm. yeah exactly um so i also saw it was like um if let's say the the monarch was deposed that person's family would be considered like a minor prince because, oh, well, your father is not king or your mother is not queen anymore, mm. but you're, you were still royalty, you know, whatever. I, also that, but mm. I'm not sure. It, it kind of varied. <laughs> okay. So. Well, that's the thing. I think it's also like part of the absurd of referring to oneself as a minor prince. Yeah. You know, like if you have the title prince, use the title true. prince. You know? True. Like, it's not very minor. True. 
maybe he was shamed into it. Like, no, 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 no. You are not a prince. You are a minor prince. Like, maybe he was raised right. like that. I mean, maybe, but I think that, again, it just kind of shows the kind of person that this person, that this character is. Like, he mm -hmm. boasts about being a minor prince. Like, again, these mediocre white men given <laughs> like an, an <laughs> given an, a, an inch of power and they just kind of like use it yes you know so I, this i thought i really like actually this this storyline because i think it's just so representative of things that we see in real life if we just mm -hmm. scratch the surface a little bit like yeah. who boasts about being a minor prince <laughs> right Right. Couldn't yeah. be me. And if you're this far away, just call yourself a prince, but then yes. someone might be there to call you on it and that would be an embarrassment later. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the crew are at a very colorful market place. It's so beautiful. It is beautiful. I want to live there. I was wondering, actually, if it was like... It's not the Republic of Pirates, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, there you go. I was wondering if it was that, be or if maybe, like, the Republic of Pirates kind of, like, changes because we now become a part of it, you know what I mean? <laughs> I like, if it now that. becomes, like, this beautiful, colorful place yeah. uh, because we start seeing it as beautiful. I don't know. I, I There you go. But no, yeah. I don't think it's the Republic of Pirates. I don't either. I think it's just some other little village yeah. place, you know, whatever. But it's really beautiful. And uh, Steed declares party supplies on Ed <laughs> and they all walk off to go shopping and they want uh, really high class liquor. They want a goat, you know, they want all this yeah. stuff. Um, so Ed walks up to two kids and gives them 50,000 doubloons and he hands one of them a knife and the other kid says, I want a knife. So he <laughs> gives them one too. And he's giving them advice on how to kill someone. He's like, you don't stab him. You slash from side, big slashes side to side. When Steed steps in and is like, oh, did you just hand these children knives and a big bag of money? Which is kind of cute because like he's a dad. Yeah. Arguably not a great one. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I completely forgot about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> But like stepping in at this presumably childless man that's like, uh, should we be doing that to children? Yeah. <laughs> but he said that's he wants to sweet. give them the head start he never had poison into oh. positivity. So Steve's like, oh, okay, you're taking my lesson to heart. Mm. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this because like, of course, this is about Ed, right? But yes, Taika Waititi has been like so open about what it was like growing up poor mm. in a single mother household. And like, obviously not all problems in life can be solved with money, but oh my God, when you don't have any money, like so many of your problems can be solved by having more money, right? Yes, like, yes, absolutely. And so here we're seeing Ed giving away these riches to these kids. And it's also a way for him to like reparent his inner child, which I always love when, when narratives do that. It's always really beautiful. And they did it particularly beautifully here because they cast Taika's kids to play the kids. Like, it's just, it feels so profound to me, both on and off screen. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just very, again, this is like the kind of stuff that I'm just so thankful for in the show. Like, it brings me, it makes me very emotional. Like, I'm not crying, but yeah. it makes me emotional to think about that. And I didn't really know much about his life. I didn't even know if he had kids. Like, I, w I found out later that they were like, oh, there's your Tyka's kids. And I'm like, that's so mm. cute that Reese Darby had his son play his younger self. And now Tyka had his kids. Like, I just think that's so adorable when they use the children. 
Yeah. And when they, you know, invite them on the set and tell them about slashing people. Like, it also <laughs> makes me think, like, do they pull child actors aside and be like, hey, don't really listen to what we're saying? Like, or do they do they do their sides of their dialogue, like, without the kids present so they aren't, like, listening to them ten times over mm-hmm. talk about, like, killing people? I don't know. <laughs> so on good sets, there should be some kind of, like, social worker there. Oh, okay. Um, right not necessarily like not necessarily a social worker but definitely like a child welfare officer of some sort that is mm-hmm. there to make sure that the children are tended to properly and if they have any specific needs and okay. that can include like talking about the morality of what's going on on set mm-hmm. of course these are on good sets it doesn't happen everywhere um yeah. but that's what you hope is happening and i i think that there it there has to be conversations about yeah, like, yeah. what it means to act, especially for children. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's what every time I see a child in like a scene that's just so inappropriate for them. Mm. Like, I just wonder if they pull them aside and go, this is all make believe. Like, I just want to make sure you know that. Like, we're not asking you to do anything like that. <laughs> You're touching upon something like that's a very big conversation when it comes to the ethics of having children on set. Mm-hmm. Um, is it ethical to allow to not to allow children but to demand that children play roles in that roles like you said that are not appropriate for mm-hmm. their for their age. So it anyway, there's a lot of discussion around that in some circles. Um yeah, so that's, th- that's a very good question is what I'm saying. <laughs> so back to the scene, one child asks if they are pirates and Ed denies it and says they own an inn. Which Aww. is a callback to his Jeff the Innkeeper dream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really it, it, like again, it, it's like he's living, he's like projecting the dream in in a more and more realistic way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which I think is interesting. Yeah. So now we're on a Zhengyu ship where we see that the nose was a gift from her uh, to Richard Baines, and also an invitation for him to board the ship, and. He is menacing, like, don't mess with me. But she is, again, in complete control, this very, like, affable, like, oh, let's just talk. We're just going to have a conversation, you know. And she's trying to charm her way into a partnership. I absolutely love, again, the whole minor prince thing. Because he might be a minor prince, but she's a fucking pirate queen. Yeah. (laughs) Like... And just geographically compare the size of England to the size of China. And she's Absolutely. like, um, <laughs> the population yeah. alone is like, yeah, you are a bug to be squashed. Definitely. Definitely. And she, she kind of owns that persona. And and she's by, being very affable, but she doesn't mm-hmm. really need to be. No, again, I feel like this is kind of like the way that she speaks to uh to men in order mm-hmm. to minimize difficulties in taking them over kind of thing you know yes uh so we go to the revenge and we john is working on his look and izzy is very intrigued he is not dismissive he is he's intrigued i would say yeah i just i love that actually mm-hmm. i love that he's not dismissive and i i i love that he's curious like he asks about it you know it shows like a a desire for connection mm-hmm. uh with we john and and i i love that for him like so much growth for izzy in this episode yeah i i, I just can't help but think about the izzy of season 1 where he 
uh, you know, calls Lucius a proper little seductress and like just kind of is so dismissive of anything that's out of normal, uh, you know, yeah. male stereotype. Mm-hmm. And now he's just like, what you got going on there? You know, <laughs> like, okay. And now that you say that about, you know, him rejecting anything that wasn't a specific kind of masculinity, I'm kind of wondering if it's about that or if it's just like, I want to go back. I haven't gone back to season one yet since mm-hmm. watching this because I really want to immerse myself in season two. But like, I want to go back in season one and rewatch it through mm-hmm. the lens of like, Izzy doesn't care about yeah. people, like about men loving men. Mm-hmm. He cares that he's not getting any. <laughs> right. Yeah. I do. I do kind of want to go to with that perspective because I assumed he was like the one. The token straight boy. Yeah. Well, and, no, I never really thought he was straight. I thought he was someone sure. who thought he was straight yeah. and was like really oh. internalizing that homophobia. He's like, well, what mm. we do isn't it's just what you do when you're on a ship. You know, oh, okay. yeah, like yeah, I yeah. never really thought that he wasn't having sex with Ed, but I didn't think that he like thought himself not straight. And oh. but now, like if I went back and watched of him thinking himself not straight, like, yeah, like I could see mm-hmm. like, oh, you're so open about it. And I am here like masking myself as this masculine man and you can be whatever you want. And now mm-hmm. we have him and drag being whoever he wants, like yeah he he can be open about it nobody sneered at him everyone was delighted by him like it's clear that when he starts singing a second time and we'll get into it that they probably asked him to like oh your song got interrupted can you finish it like no like oh my god like they were completely delighted by him and i think we mentioned in season one um in regards to frenchie that if you were on a pirate ship and that you were a musician that you were required to play and take requests and you only got Sunday off mm. that because that was their entertainment. They didn't have Xbox. They didn't have streaming. <laughs> they didn't have like, Spotify. Right. Like they were Taylor like, Swift wasn't born yet. <laughs> right. Not in that incarnation anyway, but you know, she's an no, old exactly. soul. <laughs> She is. She is. She absolutely is. But I, I just, I think it's interesting. So like having those talents on a pirate ship is important for the morale of the crew. And it was like, oh my gosh, you can sing like this. This is a real party now. Yeah. Frenchie's over there like plucking some strings, but this is talent, you know? Oh, I love love it. it. I love it We'll get to it. I know. Again, we're like jumping the gun. We're like, ah, (laughs) we're so excited about it. (laughs) So where were we? Okay. So now um, on the deck, it's decorated thoroughly in colorful lanterns and flowers. Mm. They have Steed's bathtub full of rum. I love that. I know I do too, but he balks a little bit. He's like, is that my bathtub? And Ed's like, (laughs) it's the traditional moving of the bathtub. It's a sacred tradition. (laughs) So they're just bullshitting. And Steed's really funny because he's like, oh, well, that's okay as long as it's returned without a dent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like they're all playing the game and I absolutely love it. It, mm-hmm. it is really a party for no reason. And I love that. Yes. Yeah, it's clear that like all bets are off. So mm-hmm. um, this is the point uh, in my notes that I was like, where is Lucius and Black Pete? Where are they? <laughs> but it's not answered for a little bit. Mm. So. And again, like maybe it's because I was watching this episode like so early in the morning. I think it was like 530 when I pressed play the first time. 
But like, I, it didn't even cross my mind to ask where they were. I was just like, oh that's my funny. God, I, I love everything that's <laughs> happening on screen so much. Like, <laughs> yes. but I felt it's bad once I realized that they hadn't been there. I was like, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is when Wee John arrives on deck by saying, greetings, mortals. And he looks fabulous. Or mm. should I say divine? Uh, Wee John proclaims, Tis I, Calypso, raise your motherfucking glasses or feel my absolute wrath. I love, okay, I love mm-hmm. that drag makes Wee John come alive in yes. so many ways. Because we haven't heard him, like, string this many words or yeah. take up this much room since the beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. And that's saying a lot, considering that he's, like, 6'10". Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a confidence that comes to him when he's in drag, and I absolutely love that. I I think he is one of the, you know, one of the ones that kind of gets behind, you know, and falls in the in the background. But when he is allowed to play act, especially like uh, during the fuckery yes. in season one, when he's like the cat, and he, <sighs> like, he just loves, he loves theater, he loves putting on different personas Mm. and I just, he shines and I just absolutely love that for him. Yeah. Um, Did you catch my divine reference just now? I have to be entirely honest with you. (laughs) I am really not well-versed in any kind of uh, drag Mm -hmm. uh, culture or knowledge. So no, I did not catch that reference. Well, I am not either, but divine is an actual, uh, is actually pretty prolific even outside of the drag culture. Mm. He was a performer and a drag queen and an actor, and he was with. Uh, he did a lot of John Waters films, uh, particularly Pink Flamingos, okay. and the makeup that Wee John is wearing is very similar to what the drag queen Divine looks like. Really, with the high eyebrows and the oh. the eyeshadow, it's a very and and I know it's very prolific now because it's very popular, um, mm-hmm. but. It is very reminiscent of Divine. So I'm really, I'm pretty sure that's where they got their inspiration from. I mean, it would make sense that they would pay homage to... One of the most famous drag performers. Historically, right? Like, I kind of love that. I absolutely... And again, like, this show is done with so much care that you know that it's going to be well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and not to mention that I even noticed it. So, like... Yes. People who are going to... It's like, hey, let's make it a little bit more accessible for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. There was a show not too long ago where they did drag makeup on actors and it just, it didn't land very well because it just didn't look like drag makeup. It showed that like the people who did the makeup were not well versed in drag. And Mm, I don't know, but here you can really see that there's Mm. love and care and attention. And I just, I love everything about it. Yeah. 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 It's really neat. I, I wish I knew more about the culture too, but it's, it's really cool. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that there was, it was shown such care and love. Yeah. yeah. So they all cheer. Every single one of them seems delighted. Jim has like a little pencil thin mustache. Yeah. And is dressed in like a suit. So cool. They're all dressed like um, Archie's wearing like this typical like tri tipped hat and everything. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just all dressed up and having so much fun. I absolutely love it. And you know 
you know something's coming. <laughs> like, yeah, they can't exactly. just have so much fun. <laughs> no, they can't just have so much fun. And yeah, yeah I love Jim in in like drag king like mm-hmm. uh, yeah. persona as well. Like I thought that they looked so good in that moment. Yes. Um, so Izzy comes up and is also looking amazing in drag inspired makeup. And signals for Frenchie to play a certain key. He starts going, la, 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 just follow me, just follow me. <laughs> and starts singing La Vie and Rose in English. And <laughs> just to note for later that it's in English. Yes. Uh, Steed and Ed and the rest of the crew are thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying themselves listening to him sing. So... Again, uh, I I watched this while super sleepy, uh, and I had seen the back behind the scenes photos, like, and I had heard about the singing, and I knew mm-hmm. that Con O'Neill like is a musical theater star, like I mm-hmm. knew all of that, right? So none of it was a surprise. I knew that this was coming. However, I just can't describe how magical it felt when I realized that he was singing La Vie en Rose, mm-hmm. and like. There was, and I do have to say it because I wouldn't have mentioned it if the, like the end hadn't happened the way that it did. Sure. But there was like the teeniest, tiniest little bit of disappointment in me when I realized that it was the English version, <laughs> but I was entirely willing to let it go. I was like, oh, that's, that's totally fine. Like yeah. I, I wish English, it had she been. He doesn't speak French. Okay. <laughs> but again, he's a British actor. So I was yeah. like, well, you know, in, in, in that part of the world, like they're not that far from France. Mm-hmm. Like there are exchanges. Like, so I was like, you know, I think I, you know, I, I, I wish that this could have been possible, but there's a lot of reasons why it wouldn't have been possible. And I was sure. like, that's, that's fine. That's fine. I'll maybe let it go. the licensing, maybe, you know, there who knows? You go. Yeah. there could have been mm-hmm. so many reasons. <laughs> so Izzy kisses Wee John's hand. Uh, while he's singing, which I found so fascinating. I absolutely loved that he felt so confident in his drag makeup. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Mm. Like, this whole thing was such a transformation, such an eye-opener. So yeah. It's so beautiful. And yeah. such a such a showcase of the fluidity of gender and how expressing yourself can just make you feel whole and make you yeah. feel like a family. Like, it, it, it's so beautiful. It makes me want to cry. And truly, like, I, I, I don't think I've found... Because so like putting aside the actor here, like mm-hmm. we John, I don't think I had been so mesmerized by him than yeah. when he was in drag because of how alive he came. You know what yes. I mean? Like it's and I know I've said this before, but it just it amazed me mm-hmm. how allowing people to be themselves will make them so incredibly beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. they just have a glow about them exactly there you go like it's just i mm-hmm. love i i loved everything about it i was like i want to be on there <laughs> <laughs> i know so ed and steed are kind of leaning against the railing um and everyone kind of pairs up to dance and they look at each other and steed says come on and I they know. are about to slow dance to izzy yes. hands singing <gasps> when we the audience are robbed <laughs> mm. because that's when they're attacked by ned Lowe. So we never get to see them actually dancing, which is really rude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah. absolutely love that when they're attacked, Ed like instinctively moves Steed behind him until he can kind of pinpoint. He's like swiveling and like keeping Steed behind him until he can figure out what's going on. 
Yes, I just loved how obvious that was. Like, it made me really wonder if he knows that Izzy's been training him mm-hmm. and that Steed is actually becoming a decent pirate. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and of course, you know, like, I think that he would have done that even if he mm-hmm. knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me wonder for a second. I was like, does he know that, like, Steed is, like, more able to defend himself? Because, like, of course, you know, if it came down to it, I would bet on ed protecting right. steed yeah. rather than steed defending him you know what i mean like if right. it really came down to it yeah. but again if it really came down to it i also know that steed would be able to do more damage than we give him credit yeah. for because he just is that kind of person yeah I so, so i don't know that's interesting made me wonder so ed knows who this is and ned declares that he's going to torture them all uh so ned has ed and steed in steed's stateroom and ed is really annoyed and dismissive and really nasty towards them he said he didn't even want his record. He only broke it because he was bored. Yeah. So again, huh. he knew he was breaking it and he was mm-hmm. bored. Uh, so Ed keeps insulting him and then Ned stabs him with a hot poker. And Ed continues to insult him until he turns the poker onto Steed. And that's when Ed gets really upset and says, you know, oh, no, it's me you want. Stop it. Yeah. Don't do that. You know, so it's clear that he's his soft spot. Exactly. Like it's, it it was really interesting in that moment because like when Ed was being so defiant and insulting him and like, I I was like, babe, you got to be careful. He's going to start hurting Steed, you know, like that was literally my Mm -hmm. thought. And then immediately as I thought that it happened. Yeah. And it made me think that maybe Ed isn't used to having somebody on board that he wants to protect the way that he wants to protect Steed. And so all the ways that he was so scary before to others like Mm -hmm. being so defiant not caring about his own well-being and all of that stuff like that can't work for him anymore that doesn't work for him anymore and so if if he wants to remain a pirate with steed bonnet then he's gonna have to relearn yeah how to be a pirate because he can't use his old tricks anymore yeah because he he it's one thing to not care about himself but immediately people are gonna know to start messing with steed absolutely yeah they're going to notice. Um, so on the deck, Ned's crew is torturing our crew. Roach mm. seems delighted. <laughs> <laughs> they actually cut a scene. I saw it on, uh, on, on on Twitter, but like they cut a scene that says where Roach is like, oh, I'm a big fan. Kind of the same way that he did with, uh, with, with Ed when he first met him. <laughs> and so he's just so happy to be tortured by his idol. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> And it reminds me of, you know, the pilot where he said, Roach sewed, sewed his own arm on, you know? Yes. Like, Roach is no stranger to pain. He seems to be a little happy about it. I um, know. Uh, not unlike. <laughs> not unlike Izzy, who says, you know, whatever this is, it's just going to turn me on. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? All right, let's say you're a pirate in the 1700s and you come upon this ship and this little man in drag... <laughs> tells you that you might be like oh yeah i don't know what i can do to you man <laughs> he's I love such it. a dirty little freak and i, I love, love it <laughs> so and like the rest of our crew are trying to kind of talk sense into ned's crew um who don't seem very into the torturing it all seems very rote to them mm-hmm. um alu uh especially is trying to convince them to talk about it Right, 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 right. Just to come back to Izzy real quick. Like, mm-hmm. do you remember when we were talking about how this sounded like on the trailer? Because we weren't sure if he said, turn me on or turn me off. Well, so I heard on the captions, the max oh, captions said, turn said me off. off. And I was like, what was the point of even saying that line doesn't make any sense if it's set off? 
Right. So I have some thoughts, actually, about trailers and previews for Mm. this show specifically that I'm going to keep for the next episode. But I did want to point this out because I thought that it was really important. Yeah. And from what I've seen, like, uh, there was there was a little bit of a snafu. Um, Did you see this on Twitter when Max tweeted out, Bread Boy has risen? Yes, I saw that. And there was a clip of auntie saying oi rat boy get in here but the caption said bread boy and people were like are you uh pointing out how terrible your captions are or are you did you really think it said bread boy and they ended up deleting their tweet um, because people were rightly pointing out that uh you know having correct captions is and it's actually quite important. <laughs> yes, it is very important. And yeah. it changes the meaning completely. Like, look at this trailer. Let's say you're hard of hearing or you're deaf and you're watching this trailer and you see, oh, whatever you're going to do, it's going to turn me off. That's yeah. not what he said. No, nope, And it wasn't bread boy. It was rat boy. And there was a reason for it. And so, like, of course, intelligent people reading these captions will be like, what? They didn't. Oh. Okay, so he just told a story about catching rats with his teeth. But then they have to sit there and do the mental load of bread. Okay, I guess in her accent it sounds like rat. Like, what? Like, what? No. Just do it properly. It's all really bad because if you're saying that, like, an actor... Because this sort of sounds like an AI did it, right? Yes. Yes. Versus an actual person sitting down and listening. It is a 30-minute show. Exactly. If you're saying that you let an AI do this and that the AI couldn't recognize auntie's accent, like Mm -hmm. it's all really bad. Like it's, I, yeah. And then to add on top of it, that whoever runs the social media for Max knows the show so little that Mm. they took the clip with the caption and said, bread boy is risen. If, if that is, if, and I'm giving them good faith that they, just saw that clip and thought it was correct now if they're making fun of their own captions being wrong then that's a little bit more insidious so right which one do you want to be (laughs) i'm pretty sure that max doesn't want to be either of those things yeah Um, (laughs) so they deleted the tweet (laughs) so they deleted the tweet yeah because the thing is the funny part the the funny thing about bread boy is risen is that bread rises right you know right. what i mean so like they like, made a joke <gasps> off of it exactly absolutely and so clearly anyway uh mm-hmm. yeah uh, it, mm-hmm. i'm very upset about this yes i am too so <laughs> sorry uh, tangent no, it's fine. but it was like oh give yeah. me an opportunity to yell about studios pay yep. your actors thank you yes please no not please yes yes, yes. <laughs> demand uh, okay, so then we see that Lucius and Pete have been below deck for 24 hours getting it on. Yeah, they have. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the galley to hydrate, much needed, yeah. <laughs> when they wonder why they weren't interrupted. And mm. then they hear screams. You know, I kind of it kind of made me wonder if, like, maybe that's why the crew went off the ship and, like, nah. made lots of noise with the party. Because they were like, we can't listen to them anymore. <laughs> we're so tired of it. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> so Ned has Ed on a rack. And though he's clearly in pain, he's still doing the old shtick of asking yep. it for it to be tighter. Which, Ed, hurry up and learn. <laughs> like, he's going to yeah, hurt exactly. Steed. <laughs> 
so uh, someone's tying Steed to the mast and Ned is yelling at his crew to hurry because it's almost showtime. Mm-hmm. And Ned calls this the symphony. And from what we gather, um, as much as he loved hearing that guy use different pitches while he tortured him, he's going to torture them all at once. And so they're going to have a symphony of pain screaming at the same time. I, so, listen, this is not this is not my favorite kind of comedy, but I love the absurdity of it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, you know, whatever. I'm he's, like, all right, I'm on board. <laughs> he's dealt with expediently. So, like, it's yes. kind of like, OK, I'll all indulge right, it. We'll give you your weirdness. <laughs> and Bronson Pinchot is really great in this role. I really like mm, him. That's true. Yeah. So that was fun. If he if you're going to come in for just, you know, three quarters of an episode, make a splash, you know. Oh, and a splash he did. <laughs> oh, I didn't even get that. <laughs> I didn't even do <laughs> I that I thought you were setting me up for it. I was no. like, thank you. <laughs> uh, I was funny. like, we're getting really good at this, Katie. Yeah, we are. Book and a fish. All right. <laughs> Sorry, that's what my husband calls it. I um, love it. All right. So Lucius and Black Pete are below deck collecting weapons. <laughs> Lucius is scared and Black Pete is being like really brave and he's like no 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 we gotta go do this and lucius is like can't we just go tell their stories (laughs) (laughs) i love it and they're like we need more knives yeah let's go get more knives (laughs) i adore these two characters so much but there was a real doubt in my mind as to whether they would even attempt to save the crew or not i was just like and i wouldn't love them even like any less if they had not done it Black Pete was a real question mark in my head. And I was like, wow, like props to Black Pete. Snaps for Black Pete. You know, like he actually came to the rescue. Like uh, Mm. he was going to lose his life if this wouldn't have, like I'm guarantee you. 100%. He would have lost his life, but he did it anyway. I'm so proud of him. I'm very proud. I know. There you go. Yeah. Lucius is still traumatized. He gets a pass. (laughs) And Lucius was also never a fighter, to be fair. Right. You know, like Black Pete. He boasted a lot about yes, his exploits. That's why um, I was afraid he wasn't going to. So, mm, yeah. I mean, he did it, uh, or actually, he backed out earlier this season with something that he had boasted mm-hmm, about, right? Mm-hmm. So th- this wouldn't have been this wouldn't have been surprising if they had yeah. just stayed hiding. Which, again, I would have been like, oh, okay, yes, that works. Yeah. But the fact that they didn't and that they both came out, like, I was anyway, so proud of loved them. it. Yeah. So Ned starts playing the violin. He criticizes who we are to learn is named Hellcat Maggie. She mentions that she would like some positive reinforcement. And Steed realizes that Ned is mistreating his crew. And uh, Ned tells Hellcat to kill him. So Steed gets free and holds a knife to Maggie's neck. Which I think really shows that Izzy's training is paying off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty slick. Um, He tells Ned to release the crew and Ned doesn't care if she's killed. And that's when Ned's crew all start complaining because it's clear that he doesn't value any of them. Yeah, there you go. There's clearly like a mutiny of Bruin, you know? Yes. So at this moment, Lucius and Pete burst out screaming. (laughs) Pete has a sword in each hand. But Lucius has about like 30 swords <laughs> in a pile, like cradled in his arms. <laughs> it sort of feels like he's like handing out, yeah, like he's, he's about like... to go hand out the swords <laughs> yeah. to the other If anyone can members. break free, I have a sword available, but otherwise <laughs> I'll just be here. <laughs> I don't really know how to use one, but I, I have it. a bunch for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. I love. <laughs> 
So Ed yells out, uh, Steed's already got this. Yes. And Alawande asks where they've been, and they reveal they've got engaged. And both crews go, oh, that's so great. And they're also happy yeah, for that. I know, I love that. <laughs> so it's clear that Ned's crew is seeing that there's so there could be a different way uh, to yeah. pirate. And they're like, uh, we're done here. So they well and truly turn on him. Yeah. I'm so this actually made me feel really surprised at how little it took for the crew to mutiny in this case. Like especially given like how much it took for Ed's crew to mutiny against him earlier this season. Because I thought back to season 1 where there was talk of mutiny in episode 1 and it was like nowhere near as bad yeah, as it was true. in early season 2, right? And like right. that's kind of making me wonder why the crew didn't turn against Ed faster. And that was something that I was wondering as I was watching. I was like, you guys are all so much, you're so, you're so many more people. Like, why are you not mutinying against him if you don't want this to continue? Right. Right. And like, it kind of got me wondering, like, is it because of their time together when things were good, you know, like in the remainder of season one, uh, did that make them more understanding that like Ed was having a hard time and did it make them want to be there for him? Like, were they hoping mm -hmm. that he would calm down and come back to himself? Like, I, I don't quite know how to answer that question, but it definitely raises those questions for me. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, like, if you think about Ned's crew, so I looked up a little bit about Ned Lowe, and his name was Edward Lowe. He went by Ned, and he actually was known to be a notorious torturer. Mm. And so if you think, like, he's he's asking the crew to torture people now. I guess Ed asked people to ask him to kill people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's the dynamics for me, again. Yeah. Like, yeah. the fact that they didn't turn on him before they almost all died. Like, before the storm. Maybe. Maybe they knew Izzy would never turn on him. And they knew Izzy would die trying to defend him. You know, like, Izzy was in so deep that they were like, okay, until we can, like, break the spell that Izzy has on him. Yeah, like, but even to... then, like, yeah. there, I feel like once Izzy was down because of his leg, which he literally was, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. that would have been a good opportunity to turn on him, but they still yeah. didn't. Yeah. It took Izzy actually shooting Ed for yeah. for that to happen. And, that, and I keep thinking back to that. Like, why did they hang on for so long? Like, why didn't they mutiny sooner? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's because they love him. Right. Honestly, I think that's the answer. Other, well, I guess like Nedlow's always been Nedlow. He's always been this weird psychotic torturer. So they never got a chance. His crew never got a chance to fall in love with him, to see a softer right. side, to see mm -hmm. anything redeeming in him. But this crew saw so many redeeming qualities of Ed. And this was clear that this wasn't his actual it, his actual heart you know it's like mm -hmm. no i know this isn't who you are you're just going through something right now mm -hmm. so it's more like a family and less because they actually bonded with him that's what i right. think that makes me so feel too. better about it all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go yeah so back on jingy's ship um ricky is summarizing that they have amassed a pirate navy and wants the crown to pay them a living wage not to pirate which I yeah. think actually happened historically. That's what the Acts of Grace were. That they ended up offering all of these Acts of Grace to pirates. And then they would pay them to go work for the crown instead of yeah. to a certain piracy. Degree, that's, yeah. that's what it is. I just love Auntie's like 
summarizing of this, like pay them a living wage and mm. they won't steal your shit. So like, I think that yeah. that is like a very good lesson for everybody to learn. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love to. how like the more we get into the season, like the more political it gets. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like openly political because it yes. was always political. Art sure. is always political. Sure. Storytelling is always political. But like this is getting more and more openly political about mm-hmm. certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the words "living wage" were pretty interesting. Yes, it was pretty pointed. <laughs> Ricky seems into it, and Susan's really stroking his ego. I think that what I love about this is that she tempts him with legacy. Mm-hmm. And in an episode that is so much about records and legacy and how people will remember you, I think this is really important that Ricky is craving legacy. Yeah. And recognition. Yeah. And clearly he's a minor prince. He needs to make a name of himself or else he'll exactly. just go off into the annals of history as somewhat of a nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So Ned's crew has fully mutinied. They are sailing off without him. He is tied up on the revenge and he's screaming at them that they're all a disgrace. And then Ned turns to Ed and wants to know how he'll die. And Ed says he doesn't respect him enough to kill him. Ned calls him a washed up, low born dirtbag. Which really pisses Steed off. It pisses me off too. (laughs) Same. I know. I was like, yo. You don't get mm. to say that about my no. little blorbo, my yeah. little meow meow. <laughs> my little meow meow. Get out of here. Um, he holds a knife to his neck and tells him to walk. Yeah. He directs him to the plank that was just used for Ned's crew to get onto their ship. So this is Steed inventing walking the plank. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly, allegedly. allegedly we don't allegedly. quite know if that's, that's happened, but like, I kind of love the idea. That <laughs> yes. Let, let the historians fight about it. Yes. Um, so Ed implores him not to kill him and says, you can't come back from that. I just want to interject here because the line is killing in cold blood. You can't come back from that. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is really key in this particular moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he's not, it's not the fit of passion. It's not, I'm going to die, you know, either I kill him or he's going to kill me. He is Mm -hmm. tied up. He is like, you could maroon him. You could do what, you know. Which is essentially killing him, too. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, right, anyway, right, whatever. Right, right. Moving on. Kill, yeah. So Ned tells Steed that Ed likes him because he's not a real pirate and says, you're like a pet. Yeah, he mm. says, like, something about his bumbling amateur status, which I kind of wonder if that's also what sets mm. Steed off, because clearly, like... Ed is at a point where his reputation isn't as important to him anymore. Yeah. Like, he cares about what people think around him of him uh, but not so much what strangers think but I think that Steed really cares about reputation Um, and it makes sense because they're both at a very different stage of life when it comes to piracy Uh, yes and we'll talk more about that yes next episode but Mm -hmm. this is you know this has been looming over them this entire I mean from the start of season one really if we're being honest but Mm -hmm. here it really comes to light because there's this is the moment to uncover it, right? We've uncovered so many other things. Like this is the layer that we're at right now. Well, and I think this is the culmination of he's gained the respect of his crew. He's gained somewhat of the um, abilities and skills. He's gained uh, captainship fully of his, of his ship. You know, Mm -hmm. none of that he, he bought last time he was paying them a wage. Mm -hmm. He had bought, the ship 
He was na- he named himself captain. All of that was stripped away at the end of season one. And season two, he has earned it fully. And right. so he has come to a point where he has earned all of that. He's gained all of that organically and through hard work and through loyalty. And now he's like, no, no, I'm, I am standing up for my crew. I'm standing up for my ship. Like he says all this. He says, you hurt my crew. Mm. You shit talked my friend. Oh, I you damaged that. my ship. But worst of all, you fucked Calypso's birthday. And so he's like, you know, he's not doing it for Ed. He's mm. not doing it for Ed. He's doing it for himself. He's doing it for his crew. And his crew is like cheering him on. And Ed is the only one saying not to do it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I think that maybe this is also Steed's way of being like, you don't get to tell me who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I do too. Like, but again, someone who's been there, done that. Yeah. Telling advice. Don't do this. Oh, yeah. And then immediately you do it and you're like, oh, shit, you were right. I shouldn't have. But I think that like experience is also like the only teacher sometimes. Yeah. You know, like there are things that I know that I've done that people told me not to do. And the second I did it, I was like, I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I knew that they were right. And I immediately made the mistake and it's happened to me also where I was on the other end of that stick where I gave advice and I was like, I don't, you know, if I were you, I I wouldn't go about it that way. And then the person did it anyway. And then they came back to me and they were like, you were right. And I'm like, I know I was right, but you needed to learn for yourself, you know, like, and I think this is one of those times. Yeah. I, it's frustrating because you see what's happening and and like you said, they're in such different points of piracy. And it's like Ed doesn't realize that Steed kind of has to go through this. Yeah. And Ed has been through that. Um, I, I, I have a little bit more thoughts about how, like, the fact that Ed's really never killed anyone in cold blooded besides his dad, which is a whole different layer of fucked up that oh, yeah. doesn't exist here. And it's kind of like Steed should have been like, okay, well, the only person you killed was your dad. And like that, that's going to fuck anyone up. This guy is a torturer who has like peeled the skin off of hundreds of people. Like he deserves to die. Stop. Like, don't put, (laughs) don't put your daddy trauma on me for killing Mm. someone who deserves, like someone who deserves the death penalty, you know? Mm. Like, I don't know. Right, right. I, I mean, I think the argument kind of is easy to make for sure uh, yeah. in this case. And and, and I, I do think that Ed says something after where he's like, of course, for me, it was my dad. So it's a bit different. Yeah. But like, but again, it's and, and that's also going to be a very important talking point. It's the fact that they don't take the time to talk about it, to yeah. elucidate those things mm-hmm. and that they jump into action, one shall yeah. say. But that like, causes some issues. So the last person that um, insulted, I mean, as far as we know on the show, that insulted Ed's ethnicity got his skin peeled off with a snail fork and then tossed overboard. Yeah. Uh, for, at Ed's uh, on behest. orders. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Right. So it's like, okay, yes, you've grown and changed and whatever, but like, Steve but you wanted still to had to do it yeah like yeah. I, yeah i mean i'm so steed coded i'm like ed leave us alone you know <laughs> i know and that's why like i <laughs> this is why this podcast works so well because yes. i'm also i'm so in in that relationship anyway like yeah. i'm 
such halfway between Ed and Izzy that I'm just like, no, but I get why he's saying it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I right? Did, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the crew, uh, like I said, the crew is cheering. He, Steed throws his violin at him, knocking him into the sea. Immediately, Steed gets flashes of beauty and violence as a child. So there's yeah. a flash of him sniffing a flower, and there's, there's a flash of the blood from the goose spraying on his face. Mm. The loss of innocence. Yes, and clearly this has affected him. And yeah. he kind of listlessly walks off to his room. Mm-hmm. Ed tries to stop him and Izzy tells him to let him go. And he says, first kills, always a mind fuck. And Ed agrees, but then he goes to check on him. <laughs> I mean, there are so many things in that little moment, like in those two lines, mm-hmm. uh, like first off the fact that Izzy ultimately will find out was right about how Ed shouldn't have gone to see St- Steed right away. Like it's such a mind fuck to mm-hmm. me that Izzy was able to tell that about both of them. He I mean, like, I quibble. Don't with, go right now. I quibble with the thought that it was wrong. I, I understand that you're like foreshadowing the next episode, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I see. I see what you mean, but I mean, in the end, it did lead to more problems, right? Because they are whim prone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think it would have happened anyway. I think, well, like, the problem would have happened anyway. Oh, yeah, just for sure. But maybe just not in those ways. Like, maybe not yeah. with those added layers that are going to unfold, I sure. guess, in episode in the, the in episode seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I get it. Like, I, it, it just, but I fully agree with you that this was going to come to light no matter what. Yeah. Uh, I think it just might not have been in such a heightened state. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I get that. That's more what I mean. But so, and so the fact that Izzy is the one to say, like, Again, like the 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 truth teller, like the emotional truth teller mm-hmm. in this case, unicorn, um, the unicorn, the unicorn in the relationship too. But mm. <laughs> um, second, this isn't technically Steed's first kill, mm-hmm. right. and we know how messed up Steed was was over badminton's death, right? Like the show dealt with it for an entire episode. Um, yeah. But this is a first intentional kill, like a kill in cold blood, like we talked about. This yeah. wasn't an accident. Um, and I, I do think that this makes a difference, right? Like, I think everybody on the ship also agrees. Yeah. And third, there's a moment where Ned is like, you're going to throw me overboard. And then Steed goes, works for spiders, works for men. And just now we know <laughs> that Ed is afraid of spiders and mm-hmm. that Steed throws them overboard for him. So I, yeah. I love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so like, much I'm that treat- happens. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm treating you like the piece of trash you are. You're nothing more than a spider under my boot. Like, exactly. Yeah. You're a spider that hurts that like makes my boyfriend scared. And so I'm going to throw you overboard right. to make him more comfortable. And the fact that like Ned has zero redeeming qualities. He has oh, no remorse for what he did. I'm sorry, but it's, it's like a, a remorseless, serial killer getting the death penalty do i like the death penalty no is there is there discussions to be had about the inherent value of all human life of course but like it's really hard to use this example like of someone who's just the the most abhorrent people yeah it is the point it is the point it's the point it's that like we can all agree 
that like but does ed agree? especially in universe but there you go in right. universe the world is better without ned low and that his mm-hmm. life didn't really matter all that much right like right but then i think what ed is pushing for in this particular episode is to get us a bit closer to our to our humanist values and to be like one of the reasons why we shouldn't kill others is in order not to lose our own humanity, mm-hmm. right? Even even when it is sanctioned death and sanctioned murder, like the death penalty, that the death penalty is always bad, no matter who it is, no right. matter if we feel good about it, right? And I think that that's like a little bit of what's what's going on, like the tension that's going on here. And that's why it's so good, because it's it's very, like, it's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a struggle that we can all feel to a to a sure a higher or lower degree right and we can talk about it i'm arguing with it with myself like but i with ed like it just makes me wonder like ed if you're the one who was able to escape your bindings if you were the one who were calling the shots like would would you have also taken him out would you have also killed him like i i just mm-hmm. don't think he wouldn't have you know necessarily mm-hmm. i know he's still like in the very beginning of of the sh- of the episode he was um flashing to all the horrible things he did so obviously he's still reeling from that but like mm-hmm. i don't know i using ned making him such a horrible character such a horrible human being really set really made it show that like ed was like no killing's wrong no matter what so yeah it's very interesting i think that there's a purpose for that because there's a there's a narrative purpose to this i think once we get to predictions we'll Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in my opinion Mm -hmm. but i i fully agree with you i think that ed is currently in a state of mind where he's like i don't want to kill anymore yeah ever and i think that you know in in the way that he protects steed uh, mm-hmm. At the very beginning, when oh, during the invasion, mm-hmm. he is also trying here to protect not his physical integrity, but his moral integrity. Right, right. And, and, and so is he doing that for Steed's sake or is he doing it for himself? Oh, I think that's a very good question. Is he doing that so his boyfriend is is still pure? Is still what, you know mm. what I mean? Like is still yeah. like a good person in his eyes or Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe both, maybe both. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay. You know, like, right, right, right. think, think of the people you love. You don't want them to do bad actions because you know, it's going to hurt them also right. afterwards because you know them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, Ed knocks on his door and starts to talk to him, um, about, oh, you know, his first kill and, and Steed is sitting in his quarters looking very traumatized. Yeah. And, when Ed starts talking about how his first kill was awful, he snatches him by the lapels and pulls him into the room. Oh. And on the deck, Izzy starts to sing La Vie en Rose in French. No! And this was the point where I decided <laughs> that they wrote the episode specifically for you, Mary. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> okay. So I said that, like, when I heard him sing in English, I was like, a tiniest little bit disappointed. <laughs> when I heard him sing it in French I was just so excited because like it was just all gone like Mm -hmm. that little disappointment was just so gone and like I think I messaged you when that happened and like we both lost it it was just like the giggle fest yes and And there was an article that came out after that saying that Con O'Neill was like a bit reluctant to sing the French version because he doesn't actually speak French Mm -hmm. and I just want to say you know like in case he ever hears this (laughs) 
Well, we know David Jenkins listens to it because he's like, you know, we need to write episode six for that French Canadian on the Gentleman Pirates Library, actually. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so David Jenkins made me tell Con O'Neill that I was so glad and so thankful that he did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he did such a beautiful job and it was just like such a beautiful moment. Like you can hear through the words that it, he doesn't speak French, but like everything is so well done like the oh my god it's perfect thank you Mm -hmm. thank you thank you thank you i so i didn't know that he came from musical theater it doesn't surprise me but uh Mm -hmm. i didn't know that he like came from the west end but his voice his voice and we talked about this i think way back in season one um how it's so unique um for a stereotypical male voice to be like this high-pitched kind of raspy whatever and the the sweetness of his voice is it's so beautiful. He has such yeah. a beautiful singing voice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm so intrigued by his speaking voice alone, but his singing voice is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a singer. You sing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not professionally, and, uh, but you know. No, but I mean, like you probably have more knowledge about singing and voice right. than like I do, for example. I'm actually the the one with the least knowledge of my immediate family. Well, besides my younger oh, daughter. <laughs> interesting. But my, my, it was funny because my daughter, my older daughter's voice coach, she has a competition coming up and she doesn't have the words memorized. And the voice coach came out to me and was like, I need you to go to her every day with her songs because she has to learn three songs for this competition. Oh, wow. And take her book and make her sing them until she has this memorized. She goes, but I want you to give her no other instruction. And I was like, joke's on you. I can't give her instruction anyway because she knows way more than I do. <laughs> I love that. It's kind of like me and my my son with viol- with the violin. Like I've never learned. And when he was five years old, he insisted that he must learn the mm. violin. And mm-hmm. so obviously I put him in, in violin lessons. It's been five years. And sometimes the teacher is like, okay, so you want to make sure that he does it this way. And I'm like, honey, I have no clue, no clue. what the right or wrong way. Like you're going to need to take pictures and send them to me send me a video of some sort like I don't know I can read basic notes if you give me like three business days but like that's about it like during uh COVID lockdown my daughter decided to she wanted to teach me she got so bored and she was like I'm going to teach you about the circle of fifths and I'm like okay (laughs) that's awesome didn't learn a thing I was very confused she got very frustrated I was like okay now I so I do I sing some uh I sang in high school I was like you know, a lead in some musicals. And then when I met my spouse, his entire family uh, make their living as professional musicians. And I was like, Oh, never mind. Don't know as much as you all. (laughs) Actually, funny story. The way we met was we actually worked at the same place and we would always flirt with each other. And I was like, Oh, well, I never learned guitar. You should totally teach me how to play guitar. You should come (laughs) over to my apartment after work and teach me how to play guitar. Are you and telling me that you asked your, your, well, who would become your future husband mm-hmm. to teach you how to sword fight? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Needless to say, I never learned one chord <laughs> on the guitar. <laughs> it was all a ruse to get him to come over. Yep. 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 Much like Steed. Anyway. Yeah. I do want to mention, because I saw so much talk about it on Twitter, um, like people commenting that there was a lyric change to the song, but Mm -hmm. I like, I really want to confirm that 
the version that he sings in French is the original version with no lyric change. Like the mm. original song was written and sung by Edith Piaf in 1945. And so when looking at the lyrics, make sure that you're looking at that version and not later versions. Oh, okay. um, but I did notice though, and I will say again, comes back to captions, that captions say one thing when he's singing something else. Mm. And so I think that's where the confusion may have started. Um, but the lyrics that he sings are part of the song. It's just that the captions captured a different part of the song. Um, oh, and, okay. Right. So again, the fucking captions are a problem. Yeah. Um, but this is not like a lyric change in the French version. I mm -hmm. did check the original English version as well, because even though it's the same song, it's not a direct translation. It's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, And that version was written by Mac David, and they were also the same lyrics from the original English version to like this this version. So there, and also where there may have been a confusion is that there is a difference between the French and the English version, in that the French version uses mostly masculine pronouns, mm. whereas the English version uses you throughout the song. Uh, mm -hmm. So in French, like it starts with him, 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 and then you. Mm -hmm. um, but then in English, it's you throughout. Because remember, the OG French version was sung by a woman, but the English version was actually sung by men like Louis Armstrong, Bing Crosby, yeah. and Dean Martin. And so they couldn't have had like a, a man singing a love song to a man. And so oh the God, lyrics reflected not. that. There you go. <laughs> but that change occurred like 73 years ago, not right. on the show. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Right. All of those things to say, like there was no lyric change, but there is definitely room for a lot of confusion because of Max and, and yeah, there mm -hmm. you go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that that ties into our early complaining about the captions. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for a fandom that tears everything apart, get it right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, this is the scene mm. uh, where... Steed shoves Ed against a wall. There's a moment where Steed is waiting and Ed nods. So there's consent happening there. Like, I, I want to make that clear. Yes. And, and then it, Ed and Steed both kind of meet in the middle for a kiss. And, like, again, Ed also pulls Steed closer. Like, it's very mm -hmm. clear that, like, there's this question and it's like, are we doing this? And there's mm -hmm. an, a, a consensus that yes, we are, we are going for this. We are doing yeah. this. Yeah. And it's very passionate, very clearly, uh, leading, ramping up to other things. Um, Izzy singing, Roach is letting off fireworks. There is a very small um, scene where shirtless Steed is drawing the curtains while the fireworks light up the room and Ed is on the bed behind him. It is extremely intimate and beautiful and suggestive and powerful. And it, It just the culmination of everything that it's been leading up to this point. Mm. And uh, with the colors and the song, it's just like, oh, perfect. Just perfect. Yeah. Izzy's singing takes us through the credits. Listen, um, I'm seeing the time. I know that we've gone way overboard <laughs> in this episode, which makes sense because there was so much to talk about. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't I don't really know what to say. I feel like I just I so enjoyed that moment where I was like, oh, mm -hmm. finally, they're gonna bone. But also, like, yeah. this was so romantic. And also, it like, was. oh, you know, like, this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. But also, there was a part of me that's like, I'm not sure if this is the right moment to be doing this. And also, like, oh, it makes sense that they're doing this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I had such mixed yeah. feelings about it. Um. Uh, mostly positive, obviously, but I, I, I knew immediately, I'm like, oh, one of them is going to freak out after. Right. I didn't know who, but I knew that yeah. one of them was going to freak out. It's hard because we watch both episodes, so it's hard to know if that colored my perception of it now, yeah. you know, uh, mm -hmm. but in the moment, I understand that like when passions run high, then yeah. that's when kind of things happen. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was a pretty natural um conclusion trauma bonding is real man yes like, it's, yeah it's yeah. a thing um and steve so, needed comfort ed yeah. was trying to yeah yeah so ed was willing to provide uh you right. know and and it's there you go it, yeah. it, it makes sense that's why i'm saying like it makes sense and mm -hmm. i know that or I, i i knew or i felt i assumed that one of them was going to freak out after because mm-hmm they had agreed to take it slow and this isn't exactly taking it slow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and I've done this <laughs> like oh, more times than hasn't? I care to admit. Uh -huh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Speaking of guitar lessons, <laughs> I was like, no, no, we're just going to be friends. We're going to date. And then, yeah, we wound up in bed. So, right. There you go. Exactly. And, and mm. there you go. Like, I, I know what that's like. And I also know that I am the type of person to freak out after. And Yet I still make those choices. Uh, yeah. I, although, I mean, it's been a while since I've been put in that position. So yeah. I don't know. But yeah. um, Older and wiser. Older and wiser. But I don't know. Like, just... So I, I, I... Again, I understand with a lot of empathy that, like, it makes so much sense that this is happening. And, like, I mm -hmm. get it. I fully get it. And I also get that this is going to be a problem right that yeah. not so much the act of 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 being intimate and having sex but more like the the circumstances that made yeah. that possible are going to become a problem the fact that he explicitly said he wanted to take it slow you know i mean that did pop up in my mind like oh mm. but it does happen a lot it is kind of a stereotype that it's just like Uh, yeah, you say you're going to take it slow and then you fall into bed with them because right, 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 right. your your connection is so strong that it just, uh, you mm -hmm. can't keep your hands off each other. Like, I, I mm -hmm. get it. And it's completely reasonable. It's very human. Yeah, it's very human. Mm -hmm. There's so much tension and you just, sometimes it's just going to snap, you know, and that's what it did <sighs> kind of for Steed is it snapped. Are you saying that there's so much tension that they're almost looking for a release? Because that's kind of what it felt mm, like, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I think so. Well, and it's also like, make me forget. Make me forget about what I just yeah. did. Yeah. You know, like, mm -hmm. I I can't sit here and dwell on what I just did. I need to, to pour myself into something good, you know? And I also, just... like, again, coming from the Supernatural fandom, like, we know that they use the expression like a foxhole type situation in one yes. of their episodes. And I sort of feel like that's almost what it is, right? Like we survived or like it, this isn't like, um, uh, like end of the world. The, it's not the end of the world yeah, speech. Yeah. It's the, we survived speech. Like let's yes, celebrate yeah. life, you know, like, yes, I think um, so. I think so. I think it's very complicated. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it was wrong for either no, of them I to agree. do it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think it was very natural, very human. It's very much how it would have happened in reality. So I, yeah. I, again, for sure. And I think, I think I know that I am reacting also to certain things that I saw online, but Mm -hmm. like you said, I don't think it was wrong either, but I do think that even good things can bring about some really difficult emotions and and feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, that's how I'm viewing this situation. Yeah. Not not so much as a bad thing, but more like as a as a good thing that wasn't quite done the way that they'd planned and so and that in and of itself can bring up a lot of emotions. So. Right. Also look how the show presents it. It's very positive the way that it they is present very it. Positive. Let's be very it clear. It is set you know, to like, a romantic song. There yeah. are lights flashing. Like mm-hmm. it's beautiful and intimate and romantic. And and so ultimately, I need to hang my hat on. It was presented as a very positive thing mm-hmm. in the oh, show for sure. Uh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yes, hundred percent. Yeah. So, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, um. <laughs> More Con O'Neill singing, please. Oh my gosh, yeah. Can we get one, <laughs> one an episode? Can we get it on the official soundtrack? Are we going to be able to stream that on Spotify? I was going to say, I'm like, I. one of the things that I wanted is like, I, I I went back and I looked. I'm like, oh my God, did they did they launch or did they release the soundtrack yet? And they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and I checked uh, like how long it took for them to release the soundtrack to season one. And it took a few months. And I'm just like, I can't wait a few months. I need this now. <laughs> That's I need so this funny. now. Release it now, oh, you cowards. <laughs> I know. Do you have any final thoughts? I don't need the fireworks popping behind it. Uh, yeah, I I think this was a steed becoming a man situation, becoming the true captain, mm-hmm. becoming the pirate he always wanted to be. You know, what is that about? finally fulfilling your dreams you know sometimes it's not what you actually want yeah careful what you wish for kind of thing eh? exactly so i think we're gonna see that and you know obviously we've seen the next episode so we do see a little bit of that coming um not necessarily from him but just kind of what that all entails Mm. and yeah i'm really excited i can't believe there's only season or episode seven which i've already seen and then episode eight is the final episode I'm I don't know still how they're heartbroken about it. I'm heartbroken yeah. that this yeah. is all we get. Um, but you know, yeah. we'll move on. We'll live. We'll um, live. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for visiting the Gentleman Pirates Library. Do please wash your hands before reading. Who knows what kind of dirt you find out on the deck. Please also subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Gentleman Pirates. That's the word gentleman, P-I-R, and the number eight. We'll be back with our coverage of Book 17. (music) 